Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. The reading from today comes from John chapter 20, 20, 20 verses 24 through John chapter 21 verses 19. Now let us attend to God's wisdom for us today. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nail and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Later that week, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And Thomas said, he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, Lord, and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing, you may have life in his name. And after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He showed himself in this way. He gathered together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but... That night, they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, 
have, you have no fish, have you? He answered, no. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast their net and on, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, and he put on his some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Simon Peter went on board and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? Because they all knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Second time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to them a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said for the third time, do you love me? And he said to them, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you may wish. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands. And someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to them, follow me. This ends this reading of this holy word. May it be good news to us.
today I'm doing something a little different, okay? I'm going to ask you all to take a pen or a pencil or a writing utensil. You can play along at home. Just go and put your answers in the comment section in the video. I'm going to ask a question at the front end of our time together, and then I'm going to ask the question at the end. And it's a simple question. When does history end? What do I mean by that? Okay, we have the present, right? And we have this general concept of the modern, current events, modern day. We hear this vocabulary. What is the duration of the time between the present and when history ends? Does that make sense? When does history end? Is it a month, a year ago, uh, a day, 10 years? When does history end? So we have this story of our lives, right? In the history of the nation. And then at some point that ends and you get into what you might call the modern day, right? When is that point? It, you can just guess. There's no right answer in this. I'm just curious about when do you think our modern day began and history ended? Did you want us to write it down? Yes, please write it somewhere on your bulletin. Okay, we all have an answer. Second question that's going to be kind of the core of this, this sermon. When does the gospel end? You don't have to write this down, but I would love to hear your answers at some point. It's a tricky question because when we look at the story of the gospel, so let me get my Bible out here, right? There are these four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They have a beginning. They have a middle, and they have an end, right? There's a finite amount of pages in them, right? 
is getting you a sense that supposedly is the gospel. But is that when it ends? It's interesting when you read this text today, some of you may have been like, wait a minute, Rob, you're reading what we heard about last week. That was intentional. The Gospel of John is interesting in and of itself for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that I find interesting about this is that there seems like there feels like there are two endings to the book, right? So we have at the end of last week's lesson this statement. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that the, through believing, you may have life in his name. Now, if I were the editor talking to John about this book, right, I would say, wait a minute, why are you putting it there? You've got another like whole chapter where you're going to explain how Simon Peter ends and how the beloved disciple ends. Why don't you take that part of the text and put it at the end of your actual book? It feels wrong. Now, this is not the only time this happens in the gospel. Often you will find when we're reading a text that it feels like you'll have like these texts that are inserted into the text. And if you take them out, the flow of the story feels a little bit more comfortable. Scholarship calls this type of studying the text source criticism where we look at the text and try to take it apart and see how the themes and the stories overlap one another. And it's interesting because this is not only true with John. When we look at Matthew, of course, we have the Great Commission. But Mark is interesting I don't know if any of you have actually read the ending of Mark because there are two endings in Mark. When we look at the NRSV, we have what is called the shorter ending and the longer ending. See, we actually have manuscripts that don't have certain parts of the text. This is why the NRSV committee has chosen to denote that there's a shorter and longer ending. The shorter ending ends with the command and the longer talks about the appearances afterwards. Now, when we look at Luke, 
Luke is interesting in my mind. Because, again, Luke has the commission. But Luke is that first volume of the two worked gospel, Luke and the, and the work of Acts. It's interesting when you sit there and you, you listen to this or when you read this, it makes you wonder where does the story end? For me, I think there's an important point here underneath, underneath this, that the gospel really doesn't end. As long as we are a church proclaiming the gospel, we are inheritors of that story, of life, of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now, in common parlance, I'm going to refer to two words that often go the same, but I would suggest they are different. Story and narrative. Let me explain what I mean by the difference. A story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. A narrative is the set of an account of set of events that or go through a story based upon a common context or a common subject. Let me try to explain this for a moment. The last two months are really challenging for my family. We celebrate both some great anniversaries in my life and my wife's life, but we also celebrate some and we mourn some tragedies too. It starts off on April 12th. See, I can read this without using my thing. That I have my anniversary to my wife. And then we have Gabby's birthday, which is on the 22nd. But then on the 27th, my father passed away. On May 6th, it's my birthday. But then on May 8th, my mother-in-law passed away. It's weird to have these memorials all kind of jumbled up together. This past year, as I was reflecting on this, I learned something about myself and I learned something about the story we tell. Dad, my father, could never fully tell his story. He can only tell his narrative. Because at a certain point, whenever he was telling that story, there was a certain amount of life to live. Right? And yeah, he might tell stories about his life, but they could never be the story of his life. Only I can tell his story. Because I know how 
the story ends. It's weird when you realize that, that we are living narratives that other people will tell, which will become the stories that other people tell. It makes me aware that we are connected in a way that is beyond our simple being here. And so I want to go back to the question I confused you at the beginning of this sermon, which is, when does history end and the modern begin? And I want to ask you this. I want you to go back and look at your bulletin and think about, has that number changed in any way? Okay? Now, what I want you to do is think about why you did that, why you answered the question the way you did. And I want to start off. Did anyone have within a month? Okay. How many? Second before. Se- second? Today. Today. Why did you say that? History ends today and history be and the, and the rest of everything else begins, begins. today. We live in the present in some way, right? I said now. Now, too. I chose now because now moves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then you ask if that number has changed. I suppose it has. Now is a different moment than when I first chose. Okay. Very good answers. Um, let's go. Did anyone do about a month? A year? Five years? Ten years? Twenty years? I feel like I'm now at an auction. Do I have 30? 30 years? Do I have 30 years? 50 years? I said now, every moment. Now? Now? Okay. I have said it hasn't come yet. It hasn't come yet. Talk to me a little bit about what does that mean? (laughs) History is always is always here and it 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 grows. And every day there's a new part of history. Tomorrow we'll we'll have another thing and so on and so forth. So it's kind of never ending. Never ending. Kind of what we were getting with this point. And Gabby said no. (laughs) (laughs) What was your number? I said history doesn't end. History doesn't end. Thank you. (laughs) No, but these are really important points that we are aware in this moment 
that the story is. And it is being created. When did you say, Beth? What did I say about it's a, but it's history and what is modern history? Yeah. It's not the greatest definition. Well, no, that, but, but that history is before I was born, and modern history takes place after I was born. That's an important point. We always refer to the question referencing the time before we were and the time after we were. You know, the time W E W, you know, and that was back then. And I, I'm very much aware of this concept of the definition when I look at my daughter. She will never know what it's like to pick up a telephone and have to do this number or press a set of buttons that were one through nine and zero on the bottom, right? And I don't want to tease her, but the reality is, is that if I gave her that type of telephone, I don't know what she would do with it. The challenge is, is that's something that she's never encountered yet. If you gave me that piece of machinery, I would know it like that, right? We could talk about videotapes. We can talk about <laughs> CDs. CDs, right. Overhead projectors. Overhead projectors, too. There are things that people that we are living now will never really understand because they did not encounter it in that time and that place. The, the last point I want to share with you today is another story, my final story. Some of you have already heard this, but I'm going to tell it again because I think it's so important. When I was about to graduate from Muskingum College, it was actually about this time of the year, um, a recruiter from McCormick Seminary came to talk with us. And this was back in the 90s. Okay, I'm dating myself there. Um, and she, you know, she did her little pitch, her song and dance on how great McCormick was, and it was a reform, blah, 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 blah. And we all list politely as we eat our sandwiches. And then she asked the question, which was, what is going to be the face? What is going to be the challenge that the churches face in the 21st century? knowing that all our ministries would probably be happening in that time. And we all went around the kind of table talking about what we felt was the issue. Some, it was an issue around um, celebrities and sports people 
coming out as quote-unquote Christians. This was a big thing. Um, And how were they evangelists or not evangelists for the Lord? There was someone else who was interested about making the church a more comfortable place for men. His concern was that we had made the community less masculine and men didn't feel comfortable coming to church anymore. Almost the next voice that came up was a woman who was talking about how now finally we were, you know, this we we're 10 years into ordaining women in the Presbyterian church. We were finally seeing women in positions of authority in this body and therefore we were really realizing where the power of the church was there was another person who talked about kind of the global nature of the church in this new world order that we found ourselves back in the 90s remember this was before 9-11 then it came to my spot Now, I understand my answer to this question may feel like a dodge of the question, but it was my attempt to be very genuine in answering this. And also, I want to point out my initial response to the thing was, okay, I'm going to talk about religion science, which was kind of the thing I was passionate about in that moment. But these were the words that came out of my mouth. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't think we're going to have any different challenge than we had in the 20th century, or in the first, or in the second, or in the 12th, or in the 23rd century, if God so wills it. It is about taking this old and ancient text and bringing and breathing life into it so that it may live in the communities that we are a part of. It's weird when you hear that in this conversation. I truly believe that our witness to the community, no matter where things end up, earnestly starts from a position about understanding where the narrative of our lives is and where the story ends that we live in the narrative of the gospel even today. May it be so for us. Amen, amen, amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website 
at fccstpaul.org. That's fccstpaul.org. May God be with you in the coming week.